Hello, and welcome to Shattered Lives, an informed, conversational, cutting-edge radio show in touch with today's issues that impact the lives of crime victims, addressing the aftermath of crime, forging a path for hope, building awareness, and empowering listeners for the future. This is Donna Argor, a.k.a. Lady Justice, your host, with my co-host Delilah Jones, president of ImaginePublicity.com, welcoming you to today's show and to our library of weekly archive shows. It is our goal to make a difference. So <clears throat> good morning, everyone. And um, I have to correct my, my script a little bit today because uh, Delilah is uh, off doing other things, a well-deserved break for her. Everybody needs a break once in a while from the radio. One of these days I'll learn that. But um, I'm very excited to have a very special guest with us because this is a um, um, a guest who can um, tell her story with regard to being a homicide survivor long-term and being a mother and um, from the perspective of it being an unsolved case and just, just the kind of toll that it may have taken um, over a period of 10 years and all of the various systems involved and a, a particular uh, a, a PI that we know and love who has really persevered very, very much to try to um, assist in this case to resolution. Um, so um, I just wanted to um, remind people before we get started with Judy Rust, um, um, I'm always looking for new show ideas. Um, after nearly six years, uh, my brain sometimes gets tired of generating shows, and I have the ideas, but I really do need the participation. So. If you would like to generate your own idea or you would like to sign on to some ideas that I put on my Facebook, please do get in touch with me at donagore.com. It would help me tremendously. We are booking shows currently for December, okay? So with that, um, Judy Rust from upstate New York, uh, welcome to Shattered Rise Radio once again. It's a pleasure to have you a second time. Well, thank you. Well, you're welcome. Um, I I have to say that I was delighted um, that one of our colleagues asked if maybe we could give some more exposure um, to this case because it is it is a case that that um, is at least ten years old or just had the ten year anniversary mark if, if my memory serves and the more we get it out there on the airwaves on posts. Uh, other opportunities, the better, because you never know who's out there that may have some clue or other people involved initially that with the passage of time, who knows, maybe they have a conscience and maybe they would come forth. And I know that's always um, a crime victim's hope, Judy. Is, is, is it not? I mean, over the period of, of 10 years, what what has been your most fervent hope with with regard to this case as a whole, well, to get the co- the case solved, and like you said, somebody with a conscience to um, come forward. Well, that hasn't happened. Yeah. And what uh, does yeah? And what does that what does that take? We just don't know. So um, I'm going to ask you to kind of give an overview um, in just a minute. But I wanted to know initially when this happened or during during this time span. Was there a, a monetary reward offered at all or to try to entice people? No. No, no there was okay. no report. Um they're they're not they're not always available and I just I wondered about that. Well, in case people didn't have the benefit of listening to our uh show and I believe it was about three or four years ago that, that we did our show here and I will play that for people as a comparison if you like. Um, later this weekend, can you can you give new listeners an overview with regard to what happened to your your son Patrick, um, the circumstances surrounding his death, in in, um, in a summary. Okay, uh, Patrick was a Fort Drum soldier who just came home from Afghanistan in January. Um, he went on a 30-day leave. Um, in February, and I brought him back on the base on March 11th. Um, 
Then on March 15th, he had um, moved off the base into an apartment with a soldier, and they went out um, that night, and or the next night, he stayed at the apartment one night. The following night, they went out, and Patrick never made it to the base. Um, seven months later, they found his body up in a hayfield. Uh, wow, incredible. And this all occurred in 2007, is that right? Excuse me? I didn't hear you. This all occurred in two. That's okay. This all occurred in 2007? Yeah, 2007, yeah. Yeah, right. So it it has been a long 10 years. Um, with regard to um, the kind, uh, I, I know you've, you've dealt with a, a myriad of people, a number of different um, agencies. Can you give us an example of the kinds of information gathering and infer investigations that have occurred to date? What what, pe- what people have you worked with? What what systems and uh, what has been your experience over time with regard okay, to well, that? Worked with Fort Drum. Uh, Fort Drum thought he was AWOL, well, for the first six months. And then when he was found, um, they kept it open maybe for a year. Then they, they turned the whole case over, closed it, and turned it over to Jefferson County Sheriff's Department. Um, Jefferson County Sheriff Department, we had three different detectives working on it, and we didn't get anywhere with them. Um, I've been to um, the DA's office and talked to them, and we didn't get anywhere with them. Um, I went to um, Congressman McHugh a while back, uh, didn't get anywhere with him. Uh, just um, in October, just last month, I went to um, Congress Lady Elise Stefani, Elise Stefanik. Um, she seemed like she was quite interesting. Um, she was looking into Fort Drum and finding out why they turned the case over because they thought that they should keep the case open and work with Jefferson County and not turn it over for him being a Fort Drum soldier. Um, I've been to um, the sheriff um, years ago, and he had no idea of the case. And now they just um, hired a new sheriff. And um, I went to her uh, last month, and she seemed like she was quite interesting in it. We gave her a lot of questions that we had. And she was going to go back through the case to um, find out if she can find the answers to them. And she had just called me back a couple days and said that the last detective that worked on the case is not working for that office anymore. Um, But she got hold of him, and um, he's going to come in next week and have a meeting with her, and she's going to talk to him about the case. Well, so there you may, am I correct in assuming you may be cautiously optimistic that that, that this new sheriff um, uh, is, is taking an interest and is trying to involve someone that was previously involved and they also have agreed to, uh, to assist? I think, I think she is. When, when I first went and met her, I really didn't, I thought it was going to be this same thing, you know, every time a new detective come on, you go and see them and they sound so positive and then they don't do nothing and nothing happens and but this lady seems mm-hmm. like she may help. Well, well, that may be, like I said, maybe you're cautiously optimistic that something may go forward. When you say, just to define for other people, and I'm, I'm sure some of our listening audience has this experience, when you say they don't do anything. Can you give me a typical scenario if you've gone to the the sheriff or the um, – I know that dealing with the military and is so bureaucratic because I work for state government and I understand that. But 
what would you typically go and approach them with or ask for? Is it just a lack of communication back and forth, or is it more than that? Did they not answer your questions directly, or they're too vague, or what is it that makes you say, we didn't get anywhere? Can you define that a little better? Uh -huh. Well, I hired um, uh, Bill and Denny at Forensic Casualties um, from Syracuse, and they found out a whole lot more um, than what the sheriff's department did. So we brought all the information into them, and um, we had questions about a couple of people. Like I'll just give you one, for instance. I can't say too much about what they were, but one, for instance, was when um, one of the soldiers were asked, what do you think happened to Patrick? He said, if I had $27,000, in the bank, I'd be over to Canada if I wasn't already dead. And this was even before Patrick was found. Um, mm -hmm. That's one thing. And then another one, uh, we've had a couple people um, write into um, Denny with some information. Who is about Denny her. for purposes of our listening audience? Can you identify who Denny is in case people don't know? Uh, Danny Griffin, he, he's um, a private investigator that worked out of forensic casualties in Syracuse. And I right, and a, and a prolific author and a, and a friend of ours and also a radio talk show host on Blog Talk, correct? Right, yep. Yes, so he's, yeah. been, he's been with you for many, for how many years? When, when did uh, you get connected with him um, to help you solve Think 2010, I think it was. 2010. Okay. Well, that's yeah. that's quite a yeah. long time. And yeah. um, to um, you know, the dogged persistence of uh, people in uh, law enforcement uh, just amazes me sometimes. And you know, he's a gem of a person, and I'm I'm so glad you have him on your side. So, with regard to getting back to the question I had at hand, I understand the comment that that someone had made and you're thinking, oh, that's a very telling statement. You know, how come they're not looking into that? Now, maybe that's something that the new detective will. But with regard to if a DA is putting you off or the medical examiner is saying something, are you saying what progress have you made? And they just say, well, we're looking into that. Is that one of your biggest frustrations, Judy? What What is it that they do um, that – you know, stalls the progress? Do they just not not give you any information, or do you think they're kind of putting it aside? What's your perception after all of these? And maybe it's different. Is it different now, you know, um, your perception in working with all these people versus when you first started? No. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It, they, they won't do – it seems to me that they won't do anything – they don't care. You bring them this information, and they will not go and question these people about it. You know, mm -hmm. like I've talked. And what do they? What do they say? Do they say, "Well, we we have to follow our procedures," or what is their response? Yep, yep, we will do it. Um, I brought them that information. Yep, we will go talk to this person. Well, a year comes and they haven't talked to him yet. So a new detective comes right. on. Yep, we will go talk to this person. Well, last summer I talked to this last detective, and nobody has still gone and talked to this person. I don't know what the end up is. They won't talk to them. Wow. Well, we're, we're hoping that you have some you have some luck with this new person. But with regard to how how often, um, for the benefit of our listeners, how often were you contacting? The, the the sheriff's office or the police to try to find a progress report? Well, every time they said they were going to do something, I called to see if they do it, and they never did it. So then it just went, you know, I said there's no sense in calling because they're not doing anything. So usually every anniversary, the March 16th anniversary when he was missing and the September 16th anniversary when they found him, I usually call those two times. Because when I call them, okay. they forgive me. 
Yeah, and I talked and they to um, I called them this year on March 16th, and they never got back to me. And I called again on September 16th, and they never got back to me. So it's very, the the communication piece there. It's very frustrating. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I I know that well as as a homicide survivor myself. So um, I can imagine as well that it, it it also you know it takes a toll on um, other aspects of your life. It, you're you're in the beginning you're very consumed with this, and mm-hmm. you put all your energies into this, right? Talk right. talk a little bit because we wanted to get into this, and then I want to talk about Patrick um, as a person um, in a few minutes, so people understand maybe what he was like and his habits and all of that. But what, Judy, yourself as a person, what um, after after he w- he was killed, um, what what was your habit in terms of trying to get information, and and uh, what what would you do like on a daily basis? How how consuming was this? What was your routine? Well, first six or seven months, I hardly left my house where he was missing, and I stayed here waiting for someone to call me to say that, you know, they found him or he was alive somewhere. So I didn't leave my house. For okay. Hardly. Um, and I, I really didn't know what to do. At that time, yeah. So how did you how did you go from there to get to get help to get other resources? Um, well, I knew this person that knew um, Bill Sullivan, and she contacted me with him. Okay. And I started working with them. Well, then they were telling me, you know, what to do and what I could do, and that's when I started to win things. Uh, but That's before when that, started I what, um, once um, Denny got on the case, um, he was saying, you know, well, you have to do this and do this. And I didn't know what to do before that. I kept going to uh, Jefferson County, and I was getting nowhere. So once I right. got Denny and on the case, then, you know, we got somewhere. We went to the, to the DA, and we went to um, the congressman, and... I didn't know about that before somebody had told me about it. Sure. Um, what kind of um, – now, it, it, this is a massive interruption in one's life, and it just, like I said, is all-consuming. Um, and I, I've heard um, that this has really taken a toll on your health. Is that correct? Oh, yes. Yep. Um, Can you talk about that a bit, you know? What, yeah. what it was like 10 years ago, and now your health is not as good as it was, correct? No, it's not. No, um, December 15th, I had heart problems. Um, it was called a cardiomyopathy. Um, it was caused by stress, and I end up in the hospital. They thought it was a heart attack, but it's like a heart attack, but not a full heart attack. It's where your heart stretches out and it doesn't pump the blood. Um, they also called it um, a broken heart syndrome that's caused by a trauma in your life. Okay. So I've, now I'm dealing with a heart doctor where I never had problems like that. I was always really healthy. So um, have you had to really alter your, li- your lifestyle now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has. It's... Now that I'm starting to get stuff going on again, I'm starting to be bothered by it. Yep, I guess I get so stressed with now this, you know, new sheriff is going to start in, and then we've been to a Fort Drum, and I guess when I start working on it, I guess it kind of bothers me. Well, well, sure. And um, so, what what have what have the medical professionals told you in, in knowing? Knowing your background and knowing that this is unsolved, is there a way for you to still be involved in, in trying to work on this with other people and still be healthy? Well, when I first went to the doctors, he told me I had to um, slow down and don't worry about it and a thing to say. Oh, yeah, he, right. 
<laughs> yeah, let it take its course. In other words, There's stay in bed all day? There's nothing you can do. Let it take its course. So I did. I slowed down for about a year. We didn't do anything for a year. Okay. And then we just started doing it again. So uh, and, I, and it is your, who else is involved in is is your are other family members um assisting in some way or are you the main person that's kind of leading the charge here with Patrick? Yeah, just me. Just me. You? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of typical that's typical of a lot of, of a lot of families. One kind of is the leader and the others stay back or sometimes the others right. just are not interested or cannot cope at all. So you know, I well, can I relate to that because I am. I just have the kids. Say that again, so You have the, oh, okay. Um, well, you know, it's very important for us to maintain our health, and there has to be a balance, and that's very, very difficult. So anyone that you can you can keep to have sort of as a surrogate family to, to help guide you and to take the burden off. So, you know, we think that things don't affect us, but any kind of a stress or, you know, emotional distress, after a while it accumulates, and that's where it starts, you know, kind of creeping in and affects you physically as well as mentally. So I'm sure you're, you've been very aware of that. Um, so, you know, all I can say is I, I think, uh, did you tell me that you, you've been involved, um, you know, you, you take breaks and you've been involved with some, like, senior activities? Is that true? Oh, yes. Yeah, now I do. Yeah, I, we try to do as many things as we can during the day. We've joined two senior clubs and just to go and, you know, communicate with other people and try not to think about it every minute. Right, and take your take your mind off of it, and, that, and that's very good. It serves as a distraction. Now, with regard to... Um, I always like to touch on this because this is a big part of the aftermath. Um, you know, you say you have your kids, but what, right. um, with regard to, you know, your circle of friends or people that you see, did you go through a period of time where they might have said, well, you know, Judy, it's, you know, it's been a year, it's time to move on, or I, I don't want to hear that anymore. Have you gone through that? No, I haven't. Oh, well, nope. that's very fortunate. A lot of families encounter that. Um, yeah. So people did not kind of, they ha- they've they stuck with you and they haven't avoided you or said, you know, um, you know, it's it's time for you to move on to other, other things. It, that's very encouraging to hear that the, your circle has stayed with you. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Nobody told me to move on, no. No, well, well my kids I'm, I'm told, I mean, kids told me that when I first in the hospital there, they told me, they told me, you know, to slow down and, you know, stay stay off it for a while. But, you know, they didn't really yeah. tell me to not do it. But give it up, give it up entirely. I understand. It, well, it well we are concerned for your health. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I want to circle back a little bit and talk a little more about. Patrick, and maybe some of the circumstances um, with regard to the case. Um, when, you know, uh, being at Fort Drum and then he had, had returned from Afghanistan, um, I, I don't know how long he was there. Did you, uh, how long was he in Afghanistan and did you have a lot of contact with him when he returned up in, from there up until when, when he died? Um. No, not really. Um, he was in Afghanistan for ten months, okay. and um, when he came home, he um, well, like I said, in February he had a thirty-day leave. Well, he stayed here um, with us. I don't know. I think he was only here with us for a week, and then he went to um, his father's. And I are divorced, so he went over there to his father's, and all his friends live up that way. So he okay. stayed up there most of the time with them. So, um, well, prior to that, can you tell us, like, what prior to his, you know, army experience and going to Afghanistan, what was he like as 
in terms of personality and and habits so we could kind of understand the scenario, what happened in the crime. Was he a loner? Was, did he like to be around people? What, you know, what was his habit? Was he very engaging or was he shy or, or what? Well, he was a very quiet person, and um, Patrick liked to party. He was a party person. Okay. Um, so he so liked to I go to, you know, events and bars yeah, and restaurants well, and, and have fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he liked to drink. Uh-huh. Um, um, <clears throat> and that's where ultimately he ended up um, at, in the bar. at a bar called Playlist, right? right? And right. Because in, what, did you see, and I'm wondering, um, I mean, did you see a significant change in him after Afghanistan? Because that's quite, that's quite, uh, you know, a, a stressful experience to have to, to go there. Um, did you see a change in him? Um, I, I think I did, sort of. He seemed like he was, um, I don't know, kind of on the jumpy side, nervy side when he first he came was home. nervous? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, he seemed more quiet to me. But I guess the friends never seen anything different because I, I had asked um, one of the guys he hung out with, and he never seen anything different with him. But of course, they were out having a good time. Right. And here, did, we didn't. Did he talk about his experiences there, or how how it affected him? Um. Nope, not really. No, not he didn't really. He seem kept like it to himself. He no, he didn't want to really talk about it. Yeah. To your knowledge, was he exposed to a lot of, you know, violence and, you know, horrible, oh, yeah. horrible things? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he he was. He. I guess you he was the one. That that kind of information from the from the army. I mean, were they able to tell you? What what occurred during those ten months? Uh, well, I know he was one to go in the houses, and then another time he was um, a gunner on a truck. So I know he was there. But... Yeah, and that's that's got to be very life changing. Those kinds of experiences. So, so I... I'm just guessing that that kind of experiences changes a person, but if you know, he maybe didn't want to talk about it, so he comes back. Now, he he connects with this other guy, with a roommate. Was this somebody he had known before? I never knew him. I guess he knew him before. Um, they talked about moving in. I guess this guy's wife was going to leave him, and he wanted someone to move in the apartment with him. And they talked about it before they went to Afghanistan. And when they were over there, I guess they must have talked about it more because when they came home, he moved in for one night. Yeah. You know, I don't and understand. So they had, uh, and I, I tried to tell Patrick and went in because he had just got a promotion. Um, he was being uh, going to go over to um, Washington State to Fort Lewis to become um, a staff sergeant. And he was really all excited about that. Oh, wow. Yeah, he was really excited and about that. So so he had a plan and then, you know, things went awry. Do you feel, um, well, what now with the passage of time and with talking with all of these people and dealing with them, um, what what is the best theory that that you all have come up with in terms of what actually occurred um, with regard to the killing. What's the best theory? What what happened to him um, in the last you know few hours? What what have you? I know it's speculation, but what have you come up with that you think is likely? Well, I, I really don't know. Um, I figured. Why did that roommate want him off the base? And why was he only able to stay there for one night and something happened to him? That's 
that's got me puzzled. It really has me puzzled. Okay. And, um, you know, other people Would say um, they, they picked him up and give him a ride home, and then they say they didn't see him all that day. And that has me puzzled. Why would they say one thing and why would they change it to another thing? It, the whole right. the whole case is a puzzling. You know, it with, sounds like that you know a bunch of people have something to hide, right, Judy? That's it. That's it. There's there's a big thing there. I think they're hiding a lot of stuff. Conspiracy, conspiracy of silence. Yeah, and I know was he the kind of person, you know, psychologically. With, do you think it's partially a case of him trusting the wrong people? Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. He, he thought he could be a friend of anybody who wanted to be a friend of him because, like I said, he was a loner. But if anybody paid attention to him and wanted to be a friend, he would be a friend of theirs. Okay. So he – but how was it um, if he was kind of – he liked, you know, have a good time and party – how was it that he ended up going to this bar alone? Did they just want to, the other ones want to do their separate things? Um, I don't know, because uh, they, the roommate and him went to the mall, and they went to dinner, and the roommate decided yeah. that he um, wanted to get a tan, wanted to go to the tanning place. Pat didn't want to go, so he was going to walk back to the apartment. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know if he got back to the apartment and something happened or if he went to the bar and I really don't know what happened. And so I try to figure it out, but I can't. Right. Sure. Sure. We certainly don't know what, what was the span of, um, of um, where he had to travel between where he was doing his shopping and dinner back to the, uh, the bar and the apartment. Was it like a mile or two? Uh, the bar to the apartment was only about a mile or two. Um, where they found him was about five miles away. Okay, so someone transported him five miles away. Right, right. Yeah, he couldn't walk up there. And he couldn't walk way back in that field where he was. No possible way. So it was, tell, tell us tell us a little more with regard to um, where where he was found? He was found on a farm, is that right, or his remains? He was, yep, on a farm in a hayfield. And I guess they didn't hay it in, in April like they were supposed to. Um, so they waited and they hayed it in September. And um, the guy that was haying was haying, he thought he'd see something there, and he thought it was a, a deer, and he went back and circled around, and there he was. Now, and so was this for for a suburban girl, haying, <laughs> does that mean just placing hay on top of the ground? Well, I didn't understand what. Does that mean... Um, when you say haying, does that mean putting hay on top of the ground? Oh, no, it means cutting, cutting the grass into hay. Oh, okay. And so was was he was he found in, like, tall uh, tall grass? Is that where they, yeah. they were discovered when they were going to hay? Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, wow. That it didn't make sense. <laughs> That that's got to be. And was it like right out in the open, or was it sh- shaded by trees, or what was the um, circumstance? Was do you think they were trying to like, you know, find a place to dispose out of the way? Yeah, it was. Um, it was on a tree line, but it wasn't in the trees. <laughs> it was more out in the field. Mm-hmm. It was more out more- right, right in the middle. It was more like out out in the field. Not even around the trees, but oh. it was a, It had tree line right. all around it. It was right in the middle. Yeah. Wow. Um, what What is that like? To like, how were you notified of that? Who Who notified you? And did you get a call? And you know, we we found your son. I mean, did you? 
were you allowed to go to the site, or what what happened with regard to the discovery and and oh, your emotions well, involved I, in that? Well, I got a call um, that Sunday night about twenty after nine from uh, the yeah. Watertown paper, the newspaper called me and said, what do you think, um, do you have any, anything to say about finding your son? And I goes, what? I didn't even know they found and him. And that's how you, that's how that's you how learned I found from the newspaper? The paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the oh, we have paper. that in common. Oh, my goodness. Yep. So you well, must I have never, been totally shocked. I was, and I called, um, at the time, it was the uh, um, Watertown Police Department that, um, the Watertown Police Department had the case at the time, and um, I called him right up at his house, the policeman, and I told him, and he says, well, they're on their way. Um, the police are going to your house to tell you. Well, I stayed up all night long. I never went to bed, and nobody even showed up here. When, so, they didn't come the, to your house? Nope, nope. The police never came to my house to tell me. Oh, my God. How yep. did that happen? So, well, uh, I have an idea how it happened. Incredible. Incredible. Huh? Or they thought, oh, well, the newspaper already did it. We don't need to bother? What? I mean, Judy, I don't know. we had to call the Hartford police to identify my father from a newspaper article. So I know those things happen, but that is just unconscionable. That's just the most awful experience that someone can have. So, you know, my heart goes out to you, and no wonder you had you suffered from a broken heart. I mean, to have to be notified by like that, and it's just right. incredible. So, mm-hmm. you know, you think, is it incompetence? Is it indifference? In other words, they don't want, they don't care. Is it? Oh well, we just have so many cases, and I mean, it doesn't matter. A life is a life, and you need to do everything with sensitivity. And it sounds like they did not, you know. Um, and just, I just can't imagine for someone, you know, going through this experience and never having been exposed to this except for TV shows, which are highly inaccurate. This is just awful. Yeah. Um, Judy, with regard to um, over time, uh, you and Denny have, you know, tried a number of approaches, and I know – this is something I'm curious about because people are sort of of two minds. Don't didn't you have some, a couple of psychics involved with your case? Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how uh, how do how do they work and how did you feel about that? And did some useful information come forth? Um, yeah. Um, one one of them was right about up in the same area where Patrick was found. Um, he said he was up that way, and we um, we walked and walked and walked. Do not believe how much we walked, looking the sides of the road and looking down hills and everything? But nothing brought us in the middle of that field. Um, but he said he was up in that area. Um, oh, there's a couple of them that were. Right on. Another one had said he was about five miles from the bar, and he was. Mhm. Um, some they, of them say that some they, of them say that he he got put into a dark colored car, and um, was dropped off. Um, that we can't prove, but you know we had saying like that. Um, he came out of right. the bar and got put into a dark colored car and was um, beat and dropped off. Um, mm. did, no. did he have money on him, um, Judy? Um, he had, he never carried a wallet, but he did. He had um, $85 in his pocket and his um, ID, Army ID on him. And that was still in his pocket when they found him. Yeah. So it it wasn't motivated by robbery then? Nope. Right? Nope. Wow. Nope. Um, well, and were there, 
were there cameras on on this road where you know the bar was and the, and you know where the apartment was? Was it kind of a a main street? Evidently not. No. Evidently not, huh? That's no. that's that's yeah. very hard to deal with, I'm sure. Um, yeah. There was cameras in a store, and they kept saying, oh, Patrick was in the store. Patrick was in the store the other night. And um, uh, they found the person that was on camera, and it was not Patrick. It was, but but they did know, they did they see him there. Him. Everybody was saying, I see him, I see him, and and it wasn't. Oh, boy. Another Another false hope here. Where uh, they just, right. you know they identified incorrectly. Yeah, tell us. I know that um, I've heard from our colleague that you you've had a big push to try to uh, um, change the determination um, of death with the medical yeah. examiner. Tell us about that aspect. Well, because we've got so many so many um, people talking that we're pretty sure. It's a homicide, and um, but it was we, classified as undetermined. It's not, yeah, they're saying it's undetermined. Yeah, because it was all bones, and they couldn't test nothing. They couldn't see nothing, and they couldn't test nothing. So they got it as undetermined. And um, I know it shouldn't be undetermined, you know. And just uh, different. <laughs> Different things we have is trying to prove that it's not undetermined. Yeah. Um, it, and just so that we're clear, with the um, time span of when he was killed and when his remains were found, what was the time span there? Six months to the day. Six months March, to the day. Wow. March 16th to September 16th. Yeah. yeah. And... Did they feel like because it, they were exposed to the elements, that's why they were too eroded and they couldn't get other evidence from his remains? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, I I feel like you know you you've been through the ringer. Uh, what what is the uh, what is the next step, I know you're waiting um, for this new new detective, and you have hope, of course, that with newly established communication and someone new in charge, there is that hope, but we never want to get our expectations, our hopes too high because they could be dashed, just like so oh, yes, many I times right mm-hmm. in the past. Um, so... If you're from your point of view, you had told me if they investigate the couple of questions about the the statements that certain people made to kind of give clues that that would that would help help you um, have a more peaceful heart. I guess if if they could investigate these people that right. that um, made those statements, right? Right. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, there's a certain percentage of homicide cases that are solved and then those that are not. Um, And I'm sure that, you know, I'm sure that we all in our heart of hearts want our case to be solved. And um, given the resources today, we kind of have to be our own advocates and we have to look for good people like Denny to help us. But... Um, I know that when we pass on, we we always think, well, we're going to see our loved one when we pass on. But what would give you a more a feeling of um, contentment or resolve? What do you think is reasonable um, with regard to getting resolution for the case? You want to know who the perpetrator is, and you want to know the circumstances, or is there something more or less than you're asking for as the mother? What would make you feel like, okay, I can 
put this aside now. I can go on for the rest of the time that I have here on this earth. What what would help you personally and emotionally, Judy? Um, I would like them to find out who did this to Patrick and why. And, you know, what, and what, why. Yeah. Who did it and why they yeah. did it. There's no reason to do it. It's, you know, out of my perspective, yeah. there's no reason. Were there any, um, just to let you know, too, just to give a little bit of a time check, we have about um, 13, uh, 14 minutes or so. Um, with re- with regard to his, his last few hours or whatnot in this bar, was there any um, talk about what kinds of conversation interactions there were? I mean, did that have something directly to do, or do you feel after all this time that something occurred after he was lured out of the bar and then the the crime occurred after he left the bar. I think it, I, I don't know, I think it occurred right as soon as he walked out the door of the bar. Um, okay. It was, he, met, he met an old school friend in the bar that he hadn't seen for years, and I guess they, they talked quite a lot. I have no idea what they talked uh-huh. about. This, um, I haven't talked to this person, um, but I have no and idea what they talked about. Mm. Right. Was this person his old friend? Were they very forthcoming and helpful? And did did that person, you know, stay at the bar um, after Patrick left? Uh, yep, he was still there, I guess. He was yeah. still there, but they they ruled ruled him out as a suspect. Is that right? Um. Uh, no, um, not really, because um, he was the last person to see Patrick. He he should know something. Oh, you know, okay. So I figure he should he something. He was the last person. He should help. He should yeah. be able to help. Yes. Yes. Um. But to your knowledge, has he been cooperative with authorities about their conversations and what what they did and what he knows? Yes. Yes. He has been helpful. Well, that's um, I'm I'm glad for that because in this whole scenario, um, you know, sometimes with the passage of time, we we say that there might be people with information and something may motivate them. Mm-hmm. To suddenly, you know, grow a conscience, as we say, and we're hoping that with shows like these, or with more exposure, or you know, who knows? Maybe somebody else is having a crisis or is near death, and they want to get something off their mind to say, you know, I want to do the right thing, and and mm-hmm. that's what we always hope for, but. Um, you know, we just don't know. I think it's very complicated to have to be going in and out of both the military and the civilian life and those people dealing with their systems because, and, and you know, private people in the Emmys, there's, there's so many people that kind of have their own territories and they don't want to share information and they feel like, oh, well, we own this investigation. So do you think that was part of the whole scenario that, Everyone felt like either they owned a piece of this this investigation they didn't want to share, or they were trying to say, no, that's not our responsibility. It's the responsibility of the army or whomever. Did you encounter yeah. that? Um, yes. Um, once Patrick was found, uh, when Patrick was missing, the army kept saying he was AWOL. And I kept saying, he's not AWOL. I know he's not AWOL. Um then when he was found, they it got turned over to the Watertown Police Department. Then it was out of their jurisdiction, so it got turned over to the Watertown Sheriff Department. So there's been three different people involved in this case, and I multiple jurisdictions, huh? And all yeah. sort of like infighting, maybe, or or to, not wanting to. You know, say, oh, this is ours, or, or, or maybe the military saying, well, well, we've done everything we can. We think he's AWOL, and we're, 
Is it important to you, Judy? Um, I mean, how has the military classified this? We know that what you're doing with the medical examiner and trying to change that classification, you know, so that it can be criminally investigated as a homicide. But how has the Army looked upon this? Do they still say AWOL and they don't change their mind about that? No, no, they don't say AWOL anymore. No, not after he was found. But they were no help whatsoever. Because um, they said it's not it's not our jurisdiction? Right, right. And he was, you know, he was an Army person. They, they should have stuck right to it. Wow. You know, so it, it, it's it's just so 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 very frustrating. And how can and, uh, a, a person? Go ahead. Uh, no, it was his sergeant, a Patrick sergeant, is the one that went to the police before he was found the day after he didn't show up for base. The sergeant went to the police and was noti- notified the police that he was missing. His sergeant went there. Okay. His personal sergeant went and told the police that he was missing. And, he was and able. considered AWOL? And considered AWOL? Right. Yeah. Okay. He went and he told them he was missing. And then that's yeah. when um, the Watertown police had called me and told me that he was missing. And, you didn't... and we had to go down okay. and sign papers saying that he was missing because um, this sergeant couldn't, couldn't go to say he was missing, that we had to sign papers and say he was missing. And at the time, we didn't even know it. At the time what? I didn't even know he was missing at the time. Oh, wow. So that's another shocker. That's say. another and thing. How do you feel was... about... No, go ahead. How did you feel about, about having to go and signing those papers? Did you... Were you in disbelief? You didn't believe that he was missing or... Uh, or what? Well, he was supposed to be in Syracuse with his father. They were going to Syracuse for the weekend, him and his father. Okay. Supposed right. to go to Syracuse for the weekend, and I thought he was in Syracuse with his father. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't then... know. He never went to Syracuse. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. It's just... You know, the more you delve into this, it's like I'm turning over another rock, and there's still another another shocker to be found. And this is what happens to families because you think, well, it can't get any worse, but then you, you deal with other people, and all of a sudden something else happens to, to top the to top the last experience. So, you know, I have to commend you for your resilience and your ability, you know, to stick with it and you know, my fervent hope is that um, this this will be solved, and that are are they? Do you feel like they're you're sort of hanging your hat on these other people who have made the statements? Are there any other pieces of evidence to come forward at this point? I mean, have they looked at all the physical evidence, and now it's just about finding more people? I don't think they have. No, nope. you don't think what? I I don't think I don't think they looked in, into any more evidence. No. And that there, or that there might be more evidence forthcoming. They just haven't looked into it enough. Right. Yep. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. If they would, um, if they would only talk to these people. Yep. And they say. Yeah, we've we've done everything we can, or or that kind of thing, right? Right. Yep. Yeah, that's what they're saying well, now. That's what they're saying now. Well, hopefully, with a pair of, of fresh eyes, um, and this other detective that you know maybe is going to help. Um, we're we're hoping that some something new is new is un, uncovered. Um, what it um. What if someone wanted to contact you or Denny with regard if they were listening to the show, what would be the best way for people to contact um, you if they suddenly wanted to um, provide some information? Is there, um, I know Denny has his own websites and 
all of that kind of thing. He's created a web page for Patrick. If people wanted to share information or make inquiries or talk to them, what what do they need to do? Uh, Denny's website would be great. I haven't got a computer. Okay. Uh, the website for Patrick okay. would be great. The website, so, okay, to, to leave a message there or to leave yeah. a, and to, to get in, in touch in touch with him. And mm-hmm. all of this information is kept confidential, right? Right. And, and right. And um, so, and, and to let people know, any piece of information, nothing is too small or insignificant because sometimes you know, those things can grow into an actual, you know, a good piece of evidence. So we're reaching out. How large is your area there um, in in the Watertown area? How many people does it encompass? Oh, I don't know. Is it like a few thousand people or is it a small town or what? Oh, no, it's big because Fort Drum is right there in Watertown now. Okay. So there's there's thousands, a lot. thousands lot, of people, lot of people, a lot of people. Okay, yeah. so we're not talking about a very Maybe. small area. Oh no, not where right. I am, not anymore. No. Yeah. Well, I'm hoping that that these new detectives, along with maybe they can make some new inroads with the um, with the military um, to to help you know, to help move things along. Um, but I think what we have to do is this correct. If you, if you look at yourself in terms of your, what you're doing, what's been done, what needs to be done in view of the fact that you have to take care of your health. I, even after 36 years when my dad died, it's sometimes it's a day-to-day process. You just take one day at a time. And if you get through that, whatever you have to do on that day, and however strong you feel to keep up the fight, what's your right. what's your philosophy now with with kind of persevering and getting through this? Is there a way that you is there a message you're saying to yourself every day to keep yourself going, Judy? Um, no, I just have to get up and get up and do whatever there is to do. I guess. And some days it's easier and some days it's harder? Yep. Yeah, holidays yeah. are coming up. That's terrible. Holidays. Holidays. Holidays are terrible. Yeah. Yeah, the holidays well, are terrible. His birthday is terrible. The anniversaries. Like, um, yeah. Anniversaries are terrible. Like his birthday every year. Um my daughter and my granddaughter and myself, we usually go outside and we fly a balloon on this birthday. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. Let it go up to him, hoping it's going up to him. Yep, I even had my little right. granddaughter doing that, and she was, what, four years old, and she started doing it. And she reminds us every year we have to get our balloon uh-huh. from Patrick. She reminds us every year we have to get our balloon from Patrick. Right. Oh, that's yeah. very touching. And, and that helps yeah. teach children about the value of things and all of that. So before we sign off here, for, um, is there a particular message you would say to other, other um, parents, other mothers um, who have lost their children? Any, any advice at this point before we sign off? Well, uh, whoever has your case, just keep after them. Keep after them, and if they don't seem to um, satisfy you, just go and look for somebody else. You know, like I did, I went out to Syracuse and Bill and Denny because I was getting nowhere with these other people. And absolutely, that that's very good advice to keep searching for the right people. Yeah, right. Well, we're going to have to sign off for now. I hope that you will keep in touch with me. Thank you so much for taking this hour, and I hope this this will yield some some new fruit for your case. And uh, just wishing you the best. Thank you so much, Judy. It's it's been a pleasure okay. to spend an hour with you. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk here. to you yeah, later. Thank you very much. Everyone, you're welcome. Everyone, please um, 
Be sure to circulate the show and stay tuned for the next edition of Shattered Lives Radio. Take care, everyone. Until next week. Bye-bye.